Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Good morning, Sozo. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Mark. Thanks for being with us. I pray you're doing well. Um, It's a good day to be in the house. Amen? Amen. Good day to be together. Good day to be be here. Um, Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Um, I I was requested um, to, to let you guys know. I just need to fill in all the dads real fast. Um, if you if you are in need of a good dad joke, any any dads need of a good dad joke, I'm going to give you right now to prove that I love you, to prove that I love you, I'm going to give you my very best dad joke, free of charge. Um, if you don't like it, you can have your money back. Um, why are steak puns the best puns? Because they are a rare medium. Well done. I didn't say it was a good joke. I just said it was a good dad joke. So those are the best. Um, Happy Father's Day. It's, 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 it seems appropriate to celebrate Father's Day. I don't know if you guys know this. Father's Day was inaugurated here in Spokane, so it seems good that we do that. Um, so happy Father's Day. We're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going we're gonna to jump into the Word. I'm going to be in a slightly more teaching mode today uh, than normal, so if you like that, you're welcome, and if you don't like that, you're welcome. Um, so so uh, if you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and go to John chapter 15. Yes, you are reading this correctly. We're going to get all the way to 17 today. Um, I think maybe we might be, hopefully, if the Lord wills, wrapping up these first 11 chapters. I want to make sure that we're connected well to the next portion. So if you got your Bibles, if you have a phone with the Bible on it, that's great. John 15, 1 through 17. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. As we turn our attention and our affection toward him, we love the Bible around here, amen? Well, I heard how loud y'all can be in worship, so I need y'all to be twice that loud in the word, amen? Amen. Amen. If if you respond better, I preach better, I'm just saying. John chapter 15, 1 through 17, Jesus speaking here to his disciples, he says, I am the true vine. Everybody say the true vine. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Or we've learned what it actually means is that he bears up. Amen? So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he bears up. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, Jesus says, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. New verses here, so perk up your ears. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Now, thank you that you speak to us as your people. Thank you that you have promised us as your sheep that we will hear your voice and we will follow you. So we don't come here today desperate to, to, to wonder in, in desperation if, if we will hear you speak. We know that you're a God who speaks and we know that we are a people who hear you speak. So we rejoice in gratitude and thanksgiving for your goodness in speaking to us, your goodness in giving us ears to hear, your goodness in giving us a heart to receive, your goodness in giving us the supernatural ability to respond to your word. I thank you that your word carries with it the very power necessary to respond in obedience to what it is that you say. We thank you for your word. We ask that Jesus be glorified in the midst of all that is said and all that is heard that you will be made much of in this place. Lord, this is all for you, Jesus. This is not, this, this as, as much as it may seem, God, we declare this is not for us. This is for you. Even our transformation, as, as good as it is for us, its ultimate purpose, God, is to glorify you. So come and be glorified in the transformation of your people through the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Come on, everybody said? Amen. Go ahead and greet somebody around you real fast and then grab yourself a seat. Amen, amen. <clears throat> to all my introverted friends, I'm sorry. We see you. If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, and dads, you should be able to because we gave you a notebook. Um... <laughs> If you're taking notes, hope you are. Uh, if you need a title for today's message, I think this will be the last of our, our little mini-series on liberation, so uh, calling this the implementation of liberation, how Jesus supplies. Um, so I want to do the, the quickest review I can and then get to the new stuff this morning. So uh, if you've been tracking with us, <clears throat> this will be kind of known to you. If not, uh, it's all online. Uh, everything I've ever said is on the internet for people to judge and get angry about. So... 
Um, <laughs> I mean, learn from and grow in Christ. Uh, so here's my attempt to summarize the first 11 verses of John chapter 15. Again, Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, he says, you are a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit. This is the, the summary I've tried to put together very briefly, very concisely of this. Again, remember, Jesus is speaking exclusively here to his disciples. If you are not one who would call himself or herself a follower of Christ, if you've not repented of your sins, if you've not been born again, Jesus is not speaking to you here. Now, now the, the amazing thing about the, the, the church, the amazing thing about the Bible, the amazing thing about the gospel, it is, it is the most inclusively exclusive group on the planet. It's, 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 it's utterly inclusive of the people it's exclusive to. The, 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 the gospel proclamation is to all people, amen? And yet it applies to those who respond to it. So it is, it is the most inclusively exclusive group on the planet. And so I want to be clear, as we, as we teach the scriptures, we, we have to teach them in the context to which we receive them, Amen. So we, so we got we to track with that. So Jesus is speaking exclusively. Let me put it another way. Let me put it in the context of the passage. Jesus is speaking exclusively to those who receive him as the true vine. The singular, true, sufficient vine source. He's the singular, sufficient source. Amen? So he's speaking to those who would say, I look exclusively to Jesus for all of these things. And we are called as branches, we've said, to abide. We've defined abide as this. To abide is to rest and remain in the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. So abiding, this is what I've been trying to say, is our, our only job, our sole labor, our singular pursuit, our, our solitary effort ought to be to rest and remain. So we should make all effort to rest. You tracking? We, we, should, we should work really hard to be at rest. That's the only thing we're called to do. That's, that's the only thing we're called to do. I, I, was, I, was, I had to take a little road trip this week. It was my son's birthday, and he wanted to, to some, him and some of his friends to go to Silverwood. And so uh, I, we drove them over there, and, and I spent the, the day in Coeur d'Alene because I didn't want to lose my salvation. So... Um, <laughs> I just hung out in, in Coeur and as I was driving from Silverwood into Coeur I saw a, a truck towing a trailer, and I started thinking about the fact that that's, that's a lot like what Jesus is speaking here of us being branches, this trailer connected to the vine being this truck that's pulling it along, and then I, I almost changed the message title this morning because it had a, a, a cover over that spare tire, and I loved it. It made me laugh. Um, maybe this is the best dad joke in the world. It said, I go where I'm towed. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Is like, like your whole job, come on, is to just be connected to the one who's driving you. You don't have to, come on, this is a good part. You don't have to exert any effort. You don't have to come up with the drive. You don't have to come up with the push. You don't have to come up with the energy. You just gotta stay connected, come on, to the one who's driving you and be willing to go where you're towed. That's the, that's the call of the branch. So, so my, my goal today, my hope today, is that we will explore the mystical reality of his provisional presence. So, so when we say, right, that we just, we just have to stay connected, here's what I want to do, and, 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 and see if, if I can communicate this well. What I want to do is try to demystify 
the mystery of his mystical provisional presence without denying its mystical nature. Right? So, so, so Jesus says he's providing for us like a branch gets provided for by the vine. What I want to try to figure out this morning together is how does he do that? Now, th- that, is a, that is a supernatural action. Can we, can we agree on this one? It's a, he does this supernaturally. But what we have to understand is that supernatural does not mean sorcery. There's a, there's a, there's a natural thing that gets, that gets supersized. Right? He uses a natural means to do something beyond natural. We call that supernatural. Right? So, so what is, how, how is it that Jesus supernaturally, mystically provides for us? What, 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 what I'm saying is this. Here's, let's just get this. From the text, here's what I'm saying. The means by which his life-giving provision, that, that receiving thing that has to happen in the resting and remaining, the, the means by which his life-giving provision comes to us is his word, words, and words. That's not a typo. I know you think it's a typo because I have lots of typos, but that's not a typo. The means by which Jesus provides for us, the means by which his his true vine nature becomes provisional for us as as we live out as branches, connected, abiding, resting, remaining, receiving from him, is by his word, his words, and his words. Why this seems confusing is because I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you in Greek, but translated into English. You're welcome. So, like I said, this is going to be a little bit more teachy than, than, than normal, but I think there's, I think there's some, some understanding that we need to have because I think as long as we leave, hear me please, as long as we leave the provisional nature of his presence in just sort of fuzzy-wuzzy, kind of out there, we don't have to define it sort of ways, we, we, we can lack the actual access to the provision that is ours in him. As long as, we, as long as we fail, come on, the, the, the scriptures say that, that we perish for lack of knowledge. When we don't know how he's providing for us, we can miss that provision. We can, we can, be, we can be absent from the, the source and wonder, we can go, I feel like I'm abiding, I feel like I'm resting, I feel like I'm remaining, and, and how many of us, okay, parents, parents, give me amens on this one. How many of us want to acknowledge there's a difference between, come on, between, between resting Right? And being lazy. Parents, come on. Amen me on this one. Right? There's, there's a difference between actively resting in him so that we can rest and remain so that we are, we are in a position, in a posture to receive and simply disconnecting from anything. Well, I'm just going to give up on all of it and I'm going to call that rest. That, that's, that's not resting. That's not remaining. That's not abiding. So what I want to make sure we're doing as we, as we continually beat this drum of abiding, because, hear me, we're leaving John 15, 1 through 11, but we're not leaving the call to abide because that's the only thing we're called to do. So I want to make sure that as we abide, we are actually receiving. Again, I, let, me, let me just put this back up so we, we, we get what I'm saying here. To rest and remain in the life-giving union, not just rest and remain, but it has to be a life-giving union. And so I want us to understand how it is that he does this. Now, in understanding it, again, I'm not trying to claim it's not mystical. What I'm trying to do is get rid of the the mystery behind the mystical so that we understand the means. So I believe he does this, again, 
By his word, his word, his word, his words, and his words. So let's look at these three things. His word, his words, and his words. First word is logos. So Jesus says, you are clean. You are already clean. This is verse three. Already you are clean because of the word. Everybody say word. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. That is the Greek word logos. It's not logos. Help me out here. It's logos. Everybody say logos. If you'd like to read Greek, there it is. This, this, Jesus uses three words in this passage for word or words. And so we're, we're looking at these. So what does Logos mean? Logos is the logical revelation of God. It is the essence of his being. It's the, it's the logical representation of God. Sometimes you, you may have heard, if you grew up around charismatic people, you may have heard the Logos is the written word. That's true, but only because it is what it is. It's not the written word. The written word is it. Okay, so, so a written down message would be considered a logos, but that's because it contains within it the revelation, the logical laying out of something, the logical representation of something. We see this, Jesus is saying that he, he, he makes us clean by the logos, amen? Which is interesting because when we go back to John, all the way back in the beginning, let's just preach through John again, starting in verse one. Um, in the beginning was the, and the, was with God and the was God. Who is he talking about? Well, he makes it even clearer a few verses later in verse 14. He says, and the became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of, of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is this thing. It's not something that he possesses. It's something that he is. Again, I, I, I get, I get, I get angry emails when I say this, so maybe I just feel lonely this week. Jesus is the word of God. This is a word of God. See, see, see we want to read verse, verse 3, and religion wants to come and say, already you are clean because of the Bible that I have given you. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, already you're clean because of the Logos. He is been identified already as Logos. We don't worship this. Do we love our Bibles? Right. I, I love the word. I, I, I would venture to assume that I could take any one and probably two and probably three of you, and I have more Bibles than you. I love Bibles. I love the way Bibles look. I love the way Bibles smell. I love... I just like Bibles. I actually have, I need to find it and show it to y'all. I actually have somewhere in a box, I, I have a Bible that is written in shorthand. Anybody, any, anybody went to secretary school and know what shorthand, I have a Bible written in shorthand. I can't read shorthand, but I'm like, this is cool. I just want it. Is in a used bookstore? It was there. I bought it. I almost bought a Braille Bible, but I was like, that seems wrong because some blind person needs this and it's just going to live in a box in my garage. So, so I love the Bible. We love, I'm not diminishing the importance of the Bible, but I want you to get this, please. When you're reading through the scripture and it says the word of God, I want you not to think of this. I want you to think of Jesus. I know that like pushes against all kinds of religious stuff inside of us, doesn't it? It's like, what's he doing? Dude, I'm the, I'm the charismatic guy that makes you stand up when we read the Bible. So just, I'm on team Bible, okay? But I'm also more on team truth. I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm more interested in believing the truth than claiming that what I believe is the truth. Significant difference. 
Okay? So, 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 so I know, I know, I know, I know, I know this is tough, but we've got to understand that Jesus is in himself Logos. So, so let me say it this way. The Logos, as the Logos, Jesus is the logical revelation of the essence of God's being. As the Logos, as, as the Word, capital W, capital T, capital W, as the Word, Jesus is in himself the logical revelation of the essence of God's being. Jesus is, let me say it this way, Jesus is everything that God wants us to know about himself. Jesus is everything. I can prove it. Somebody, somebody goes, well, well, there's also the pastor, there's also the Bible. You're right. But listen, when Philip came to Jesus just a few chapters ago and said, hey, Jesus, show us the Father, show us God, and that will be enough for us. How many of us want to jump up and down and thank Jesus that he didn't go, Joe, you know, Philip, you have Job, just go read the Bible. Just go read the Psalms. Just go read. No, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, so, so it's, it's, it, is, it, is, it is important. I would even say it is, it is essential for you to read the Word. But it is vital that you learn how to see Jesus as you read the Word. So Jesus is the revelation. Why is this important? Because the Logos provides cleansing, Jesus says. How does it do this? By purging us of our misidentification of God, which has fueled all of our religion and all of our rebellion. Let me be super clear on this. I, I want to get to other stuff. I know we've touched on this before, so I don't need to go into it too deeply. But, but we carry incorrect, incomplete, inaccurate views of God. No one wants to say amen to that? We, we carry these. We, 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 some, of us were, some of us have just on our own thought them, but we need to remember that Jeremiah tells us that the human heart, the human mind are deceitful above all things, so your crazy, wacky thoughts about what God's like, love you, they're not true. Neither are mine, just to be clear. My, the stuff I just made up, I remember one time being sufficiently altered by a substance outside of my body, sitting in a backyard and just going off for like an hour and a half on what God was like. None of it was right. I mean, I had like plots and subplots and categories and all kinds of stuff, and I was really impressing all the other people sufficiently altered by substances, but we were all wrong, okay? What we just come up, well, I've always thought of God. I, I, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Well, those, are, those are inaccurate, incomplete, erroneous ideas of who God is. Some of us thought them. Some of us were taught them. I, I love you. Some of us were taught inaccurate views. Now, listen, some people taught us inaccurate views because of a deficiency in their own understanding. Some people taught us inaccuracies about God because of a, because deception in their own life. They were trying to get something from you. Those are the people that are on TV, by the way. They're trying to get something from you. They, 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 want, they want your money. They, they don't make this. I feel like God has been gracious to us in this, though, with, with Christian TV, because because he, he made them make all their stuff out of gold, so you would know what their point is. <laughs> right, like, like anybody who sends them money, like shame on you, come on, they, they told you up front, right? Like this is what we want, gold stuff, right? So, so some of us were taught deceptively out of deceitfulness, some of us were taught just out of a deficiency in their own knowledge, they just didn't know any better. This was, listen, th this, this has been me in several seasons of my life. Not judging in the sense of, of, of bringing condemnation on that. I'm just saying we, 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 we've got to do better. 
Okay, so, so, so what we need to understand is this. Jesus comes to fix all of that misidentification. So we just, when you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. And if you go, I think God's like this. You go, well, is Jesus like that? And if it's not, you delete that from the memory bank. Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. Jesus breaks in and grants us a, a, a picture, a perfect picture of what God is really like. I've called this the, the Abba awareness. He shows us that God is not this distant, disinterested, you know, just sort of disassociated, angry God who's just looking for a reason to just beat us up. Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is, is nothing like Zeus. And yet many, how many, how many of you have heard or maybe even said, right, like, well, I can't go to church because if I just walk in there, God's just going to strike me with lightning. I told you this before. Nowhere in the Bible does God strike people with lightning. He pours down fire on them. <laughs> Different gods, okay? <laughs> we, we, we've got to get this. Like, like these, these cultural ideas might might be like whoobies, right? Might be like really comforting blankets that we like to hold, but they're not useful in real life. And so Jesus comes and shows us that God is not this distant, disinterested God. And in fact, God is a loving heavenly father desiring, as my wife talked about in the offering video this week, desiring to provide for us. Desiring to make up for where we lack. And this causes in us a repentance. Now, now you go, well, what do you mean repentance? Because some of you were raised in church, and you hear repentance, and you hear turning and going the other way. Some of you were raised in churches that were so bad that you just think repentance means saying you're sorry. Some of you have a little bit deeper understanding, and you think it means, no, it means turn and go in the opposite direction. Can I tell you something? It doesn't mean either of those things. It involves both of those things. It doesn't mean either of those. The word repentance, metanoia, literally means a fundamental transfer and transformation in the way that you think, perceive, and process. So Jesus comes, just, we have wrong ideas about who God is. Jesus comes and shows us right ideas. When we admit that our ideas are wrong and embrace his ideas of what is right, that is repentance. We've changed our mind. Now, if you change your mind, you will change, come on, you will change the direction in which you're going. And, if, and, and part, of, part of that is, is, is necessary, but, but we've got to under, we, we can't get the cart before the horse. For too long, we, we've just stood up in church and screamed at people to turn and go the other way without changing the way they think. And you find out real fast that all of your behavior is based upon your beliefs. Your current physical behavior right now is based upon the belief that the chair that you are sitting on has the capacity to withstand the weight of you. Right? Your, your, your belief. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't sit down. But your beliefs are based upon, or your behaviors are based upon your beliefs. So Jesus comes and he says, I'm, I'm going to cleanse you all the pollution, all the corruption of your rebellion, of your religion, all of it. I'm going to purge all of it by showing you who God really is. He's Abba. He's always, come on, we say it a lot around here. He's always and only what? He's always and only good. Here's the way I want you to hear this. The, I, was, I was reading this week. And I was reading through different, different pictures we have of heaven. 
seeing the worship that's going on in heaven. And one of the things I was fascinated by was, right, there's these creatures, these angels, these beings that, that encircle God. And they're spinning around. And do you know what? They go all the way around him, and they never find a bad side. Like they don't get to one side like, ooh, I'm going to not come back here next time. But how many of us worry about getting on God's bad side? Here's the good news. He doesn't have one. He only has good sides. They've been going around it for all of eternity. In an absence of the construct or confines of time, these four-headed beings are flying around God, and all they see is good. All they see is goodness. All they see is that. So you can know as you approach God, all of these weird religious ideas you've had, all these conjured up rebellion ideas you've had that just came out of your own thinking, all of them are wrong. He's just good. And when he runs out of being good, he's good some more. He doesn't withhold anything good from you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. He doesn't withhold anything good from you. You go, well, I don't have this thing of it. If you don't have it, it wouldn't be good for you. Okay, let's just lose all the friends that we have. Single people. You're not married because it wouldn't be good for you right now. You want to get married, ask the Spirit, come on, to make you ready to be married. Soon as it's good for you, you'll be married. Married people, you're married because it's good for you. Okay? And I know some of you, I'm going to admit something that pastors don't want to admit. Some of you, some of you, I love you, some of you need new marriages. None of y'all need to get divorced, but some of y'all need new marriages. Some of y'all need to repent and start believing the gospel. And husbands need to start loving your wives, and y'all need to start working together, and y'all need to start building a family together that loves and serves and, and follows Jesus. You need a new marriage. You don't need a new spouse. You need a new marriage. You have the one you have because you have it, amen? It's good for you. It's designed, come on, to, to give you an opportunity to love one another as Christ loves the church, to serve one another. It's, it's designed to make you more like Jesus. For some of y'all, your marriages are being far more productive than others. <laughs> now that I've made everybody mad. Mark. M-A-R-K at sozospokane.org. I love, I have a new ministry when it comes to my email ministry. It's called the delete button. Um, amen. I, I, think I've, I think I've abandoned that one. I beat that one enough. So word, the word, he, he cleanses us by his word. Amen. We got that? The next thing he says, though, if you go down here, follow along. If you track down, he says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words, everybody say words. Notice it's plural. It's not singular. It's words. It's a different Greek word for word than the word that we just learned about the word. It's the word rhema. Everybody say rhema. This is the whisper or the voice of God to be understood as the declaration of God. See, in, in, a, in a very primitive understanding, people will say the logos is the written word, the rhema is the spoken word. That's true, but again, only in that that is the means by which they come to us. But it's not the very essence of what it is. To, to say that it is, that, that Jesus cleanses us by the logos is to show us that he shows us who God is. 
But the rhema is something different. It's his declaration to us. It's what he speaks. It's, it's, it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is the living, active thing. It's the thing. Let me say it this way. It's the thing that John 10, 27 promises us that all of his sheep can do. My sheep, Jesus speaking, hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. This is that voice part of the word. This is that living and active part of the word. This is that reverberating part of the word. This is that resounding part of the word. This is that which all of us as his people can hear. This is his speech, his, his utterance, his sound. The sound of the lo- Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. The sound of the logos is the rhema. The sound... Of the logos. The sound of the word is the words. See, Jesus, there's, there's, a, there's an erroneous uh, a quote given to supposedly St. Francis of Assisi, which, if you know anything about St. Francis, he never would have said this. But we say he said this. He says, you know, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. It's always necessary. You can't share a message without words. Words are, I know, I know, I know, I know. Emojis are, don't count. Right, if you're going to send somebody a message, it needs words. Right? It, it, it needs, it, it fundamentally needs. So, so, so Jesus, in being the Logos, that there was, there was, there was a, a need on our end for his Logos to take on Rhema. And, and so he does. But, but there's, a, there's an underlying thing here that shows us that they do different things. In the Logos, we have the correction of our misidentification of God. Amen? We, we, we tracked on that? In the rhema, we hear the declaration of how he sees us, and that is righteous and beloved. That is righteous and beloved. This is, this is what led us to this whole teaching on liberation, and I've, I've been trying to unpack this for us so that, so that this liberation day where the Lord met us in a unique way doesn't become a one-time thing that we move on from, but becomes something we continually, consistently, eternally unpack in our own lives. It is this declaration of him calling us righteous that I believe is the revelation he's talking about here. And I, I want to prove it to you in the text. So let me, just, let me just walk through this. I wrote out some of this. Again, I said it was going to be a little more teachy. I usually barely read, but I mean, I read. But up here, okay, we're friends. Um, so when the Logos does its work of cleansing, we are granted repentance and faith. We, we, we tracked on that? And made utterly new creations. The, the word literally for, for new creation, when we talk about that, that behold the old things have passed away, behold all things have become new. The, the, he who is, is in Christ is a new creation. That word literally means new creature. It's a new type of being. You are not the being you used to be. You're a new kind of human being. So now we must learn to live in the new identity and the new reality of his declaration over us. So let me, let me grab a few things here real fast to make sure we get this. Declaration of righteousness. We get this from, from, from 2 Corinthians 5.21. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When are you that? Now. No, I have to die and go to heaven. No. If, if, listen, 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 listen. If death is what makes you righteous, then Satan makes you righteous, righteous because he's the author of death, according to the scriptures. But the scriptures say that Jesus defeated death. So he's able to, anything that you think is on the other side of death, hot take, hot take, hot take. 
anything you think is exclusively on the other side of death, Jesus made capable, made possible, made you, gave you the ability to have it now. Well, not, yep, that too. But you mean I can, yep. But what about, uh uh-huh? You don't mean, no, I do. You are, that's the declaration of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So let's make sure we understand righteousness. Righteousness, if you, if you were raised in church like me, if you hung around Christians a lot, if you hung around preachers enough, you've heard that righteousness means right standing with God. Anybody, anybody taught that? Righteousness is right standing with God. Um, nope. It's not. It's not. Again, like, like repentance means turn and go the other way. Righteousness sure, right standing with God is in there, but there's one giant way you can know that that's not the best way to define the word. Because God is righteous, and who is he in right standing with? People are like, well, himself. That's not right standing, okay? You can... <laughs> that's, like, that's like somebody who's hung around in church too much and just thinks the answer to every question about the Bible, Jesus. <laughs> Technically, you're correct. <laughs> but you're also very wrong. Right, righteousness, literally, and I don't have, I don't have time because we, 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 we got to get to something else, but righteousness does not mean right standing. Literally, if you, if you want to dive into the Greek word and look at the roots of the Greek word, the word, what the words mean and what the words that the word is made up of mean, what it literally means is one who is in the state as he ought to be. Now, you, as the creation of God, created to bear his image and be in right relationship with him, you, come on, you, as you ought to be, listen, is in right standing with God. Amen? But that's the byproduct of you being not only redeemed, not only reconciled, but you experiencing what, what we call rehab. Right? So, so, so it's, it's, it's reclamation, not just redemption. It's you being made back into that thing that you were originally designed to be, which is in right standing with God. So yet, yeah, does, does, does righteous mean right standing with God? Yes, but only as a byproduct of you being restored back to the state in which you ought to be. So here's, here's, here's the big thing that's been getting me in trouble lately. You are as much as you ought to be as God is as he ought to be. Which means, and here's where people get mad at me, because some of y'all have figured out that this is what I'm saying. Some of y'all haven't figured it out, and you're not mad at me yet. Some of y'all have, and you send me emails, and I delete them. No, I respond. Because there's an undo button. I'm just going to confess. You delete just to make you feel better, then you hit the undo, and then you respond. (laughs) This means that your behavior has nothing to do with your righteousness. This means you are either... You are either fully, completely, 100% righteous right now, or you are not righteous at all. There, there's no spectrum. You went from being utterly unrighteous, even the righteousness you tried to muster up on your own, the scripture says, was as filthy rags, which I ain't going to go into defining that. He said, all of that, that, that you trying to muster up being who you ought to be on your own, incapable of doing it, all of that was worthless. You were completely and utterly, 100%, 
unrighteous. Then through the cleansing that Jesus did, through the, through the revealing of who the Father is, which grants to us in his kindness, grants us repentance and faith, we instantaneously, instantaneously become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We become as righteous as we will ever be. Because those are the only two states that are described in the scriptures. But we want to talk about process all the time, which most of the time, I love you, which most of the time, I love you, which most of the time, I love you, is just an excuse for us to just keep doing stuff we know we ought to not do. Well, I'm in process. I'm just really trying to work my stuff out. No, you're not. You're refusing to believe the declaration made over you, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, so, so if, if righteousness, yeah, let's just do it all. If righteousness doesn't mean right standing, but it actually means to be as one ought to be. Now let's go into this. What does sin mean? It means to miss the mark. Nope. Once again, once again, once again, we're getting the cart before the horse. See, this is why I'm, this is why I'm doing this. All religion can do is talk about the products it can't actually talk about the production. That was better than you responded. All religion can do, come on, is say, try harder, do better. All religion can do is say, you really suck at that, you should not suck at that. But it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually impart to us the means by which the transformation happens. It, it can talk to us about the product, but not the production. So religion sneaks in and says sin is missing the mark. Sin is you failing, come on, to do what's right or you doing what's wrong. It's missing the mark. No, literally, if you look at sin, sin is hemartia. Ha means negative, and martia means without form. Hamartia. It means to be without your proper form. To be without the part that is yours. Can you see now how sin and righteousness are juxtapositioned to one another? Sin is you not being who you're supposed to be. And righteous is you being exactly who you're supposed to be. Not who you want to be, not who you think you are, not what culture says you are, not what your mistakes say you are, not what your successes say you are, not what your report card says you are, but what he has declared you to be. I am what he made me. Period. You are not the sum total of your failures. Can I get an amen from anybody? anybody? Is that a happy news for anybody? Okay, here we go. You are not the sum total of your successes. I like the way the amens on the failure was like, amen, and the amens on the success were like, amen, amen. <laughs> Suddenly everyone speaks in tongues. You are exclusively who he says you are. So, so we have to receive, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this as, as, as teachery as I can. We have to receive the rhema from our rabbi, Yeshua, that we are righteous. You, you, you have to hear that and hear it deeper and more than all the other stuff you hear, including, including the report card that you make for yourself. Am I, am I the only one that, that was, was taught to keep a report card? 
How did I do this week? How I did this week determines how I'm allowed to worship when I come in here on Sunday. How, how, how I did today determines how effective my prayers are going to be when I pray for something. We're going to get to that here in a second. That's, that's, let's just go here. We're learning Greek. Um, so uh, I, found, I have a favorite Greek word. Have I ever shared you with my favorite Greek word? I have, a few, I have a few Greek words I like, but I don't think I've ever publicly shared my favorite Greek word. My favorite Greek word is the, letter, the word skubala. Everybody say skubala. You all just swore in church. So, so scuba, when, when, when Paul says that I, that, that, that I count every, all of my righteous deeds, all of my good works, all of my labor, all of my righteousness, I count all of that as filth, the word is scubala. It was the slang term for doo-doo. So when you say BS, you're just saying bull scubala, right? That's what you mean when you say that, right? So, so, so. It's M-A-R-K at sozospokane.org. <laughs> Name me one other pastor you know that has done that Greek word study. So um, I have, because that's just fun. So, um, so what we've we got to track with this is this. That, that this, this, this idea that, that I need to keep a report card. Here, here's the problem. I keep the report card, listen, I keep the report card because I think Yahweh is interested in my report card. As soon as I learn that he has no use for my report card, I, I gotta stop keeping use of my, I gotta stop keeping my report card. We, we are baptized our entire lives. We, we, we bathe and soak in the merit system for everything in our lives. And so we struggle when we come in and we hear, no, no, you are you are declared righteous. You go, yeah, yeah, but I got this stack of report cards that says I'm not. And you go, okay, fine. You can, I'm not, listen, listen, listen. I'm not denying that you suck at life. Okay, some of y'all can't find your keys every day, okay? Like, you, you not good at life. I'm not, I'm not up here standing like you're, this is not ha- think happy Jesus thoughts. This is not you're good enough and smart enough and doggone it people like you, right? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is your report cards are irrelevant because he's already judged it and he's declared you righteous. Again, who am I talking to? Branches in the vine. Not talking to anybody else. This is not like all people are just good people. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I got news for you. They're not. If If you think everyone's good people, send me an email. I'll forward you some of mine. Okay, like, like we, we got we to track with this. We, we, we need to understand, you, you've got to receive him. Why? Because this, because this, because this, because this, because this. How do I do, Lord, how do I do this? Let me, let me do this first. What is, so, so I said, Logos provides cleansing. Rhema provides confidence. It's proving to us that we are as righteous as God is righteous, not by our deeds or duties, but by his declaration. Why do I say confidence? Because Jesus ties in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So let me unpack this. I don't have time to go to all these verses, so, so just be good at taking notes. James 5.16 says the, the, the effective fervent prayers of what kind of person availeth much? Righteous person. We know that as Christians. So only righteous people get their prayers answered. And back in James 1, verses 7 through 8, tells us that if we're double-minded, we ought to not expect to receive anything when we pray. 
But how many of us were raised? How many of us have inherited? How many of us, how many of us have received an identity that says you are simultaneously righteous and unrighteous? You wonder why your prayers aren't effective? Because you still think you're a saint and a sinner. You were a sinner saved by grace for the nanosecond in which it took Jesus to transfer you from life to death, from death to life. Because you had to be alive and did. I'm not going to justify that. It was just a mess up. I talk for a living. I make a mistake. Do I show up to your job and judge you for your mistakes? (laughs) Only if you work at Qdoba. Um, What, we, what, we've got, what we've got to understand is this, right? You, your prayers are not going to be effective as long as you're double-minded. And, and here's the problem. I thought, you don't, you, I know y'all are all way smarter than me, so you didn't think this. I thought for forever that double-minded meant 50-50. Right? So I, 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 I can't have my prayers answered if I'm 50-50. No, 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 no. Double-minded means any two things. So you can 99.999% sure you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but there's that little bitty, little bitty, nope. We've got, we've got to get past this. So if we believe that we are anything other than the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, our prayers fall to the ground and are ineffective. But thanks be to God, come on, for the declaration of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no qualifier on that, so stop putting one on there. God does not need you to edit the Bible. It is plenty offensive enough as it is. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is so amazing because in Romans 5, 1, it says that we have peace with God through his justification. Through the declaration of righteousness, we can have peace with God. So, 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 so the, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in, the, in our time of need. And a bunch of us were raised thinking we had to come like court jesters. Come with a song, come with a dance, make him smile, make him happy. You're going before the court, you better like... Da, 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 da. But some of us were born without a talent that can appease him. So, so listen, you, you want to keep coming like a court jester. You want to keep coming like some sort of like, like, like hired entertainment. You go right ahead. I'm going to start coming as a son. Because my son, when, he, when he's in need, come on, when my kids are in need, they don't got to put on any kind of show. They don't got to do anything. They just got to tell me what they need. And if it's within my power to do it and it's within their good to have it, they will have it. Come on, parents. Come on, dads. Come on, it's Father's Day. Come on. How many of y'all know if it's in your power to do it and it's, it's good for them, you, you give it to them. Like, here you go. Maybe this is a parenting lesson for somebody. Some of the dads are like, like, what? Okay, like, this is what it means to be a dad, okay? Jeez, I didn't realize I was teaching a Father's Day message. Okay, right? Like, that, that's, that's, that's what happens. That's what we do. That's what he does. But we, religion tells us, no, 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 put on the makeup and put on the mask. Again, I said this, I said this, oh my gosh, I said this before and I got all kinds of emails. So now that it's over, let me say it this way. God hates your mask and he loves your face. I said that before, not trying to, and people are like, oh, he's making a political statement. Stop it. No, he hates the fake you that you put on. Church people might like your mask better than your face. I ain't gonna lie. But what do we talk about when we worship here? This is all for you. It ain't for those people. 
So, so don't give a flip about what those people think. I would rather go to church with two real people than 2,000 fake people. Here's the real truth. Here's the, here's the place I've really come to my life. I would rather go to church with two real people than 2,000 fake people and 200 real people all mixed together. I'm just being honest. I'm just, I mean, I'm just like, if that makes you want to leave the church, there's exits are clearly marked. We have peace with God because of his justification. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then. I'm going to read out of the Passion just to make sure that I'm chasing out all the religious spirits. I've read this before. I'm not going to teach on it. Just hear it. Just hear it. Just hear it. Even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness. Does that sound like double-mindedness? Does that sound like the opposite of double-mindedness? The complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our lives. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Here's what David says. What happy fulfillment is ahead for those whose rebellion has been forgiven, whose sins are covered by blood. Pause. I, I always want to make sure I do this. He's under the old covenant. Amen? Yeah. Best he can have is covered sins. Y'all, y'all we, we believers, we don't have covered sins. Our sins are obliterated. They are utterly taken away according to the, 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 the John the Baptist. He takes away the sins of the world. So if, if, if David here says that there's happy fulfillment for those who have their sins covered, how much more happy fulfillment ought there be for those who have their sins taken away? Right? So happy fulfillment, head for those whose rebellion has been forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 8, what happy progress comes to them when they hear the Lord speak over them, I will never hold your sins against you. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to love with you. I'm just, just, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it's Father's Day and I've already gone over and guess how much I care. So, so, all of my life, here's the part I'm not supposed to say, all of my life up until even a few years ago, there was still a significant portion of me that thought happy fulfillment had to come after happy progress. Well, once I, once I kind of get my stuff together, then I'll be more fulfilled. But what this says is it actually starts, here's what I thought. I thought if I can make some progress, then I can feel fulfilled. If I feel fulfilled enough, then I'll feel whole. And I, I, I worked Christianity and churchianity and the Bible and the gospel from that direction. I just got to make some progress. Which led to, come on, come on, come on, which led to, I should be further along than this. I should have my scubula more together than this. <laughs> come on, come on. Am I, I, I know all y'all are just like perfect and you don't have any of this stuff, but like this is just the stuff I picked up along the way. I got to make some progress and then I can be fulfilled. And then if I can be fulfilled enough, then that will make me feel whole. But Jesus here shows us, come on, that wholeness is the starting line. You got to be whole before you can even know you're fulfilled so that you can then make progress. But all religion can do is talk about the product, not the production. So it just says, you better get some progress going. You better get them report cards. You better get them grades up. 
You need to hear. You need to hear the declaration of righteous. It is, I'm convinced, beloved, it is the revelation of Jesus. It is the rhema of Jesus. It's what he came to say to us. He said, listen, everything I've heard from my father, I'm saying to you. Can, can, you, can, you, can, you, can you stop hearing that like religion teaches it? Because here's what religion will let you hear when you hear that. All the stuff that the father told me to tell you, I've told you. All of my teachings. That's not what he said. What did, what did the father say to Jesus? We, only, we, we, have, we have one statement we have a record of that the father said to Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What the father said to me, Jesus says, I'm saying to you. You are... This will set somebody free. You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You go, but I don't have my stuff together yet. He is fully aware that you don't have your stuff together yet, and you will never get your stuff together until you know that you are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. That's it. That's the, that's, that's the only place. And, and so, so we're stuck now. I want to talk, okay, prove, I need y'all to prove to me I ain't going to take any of this raising your hand baloney. I need, where are my charismatic people at? Come on, my, come on, my charismatic, we, we believe in the Holy Ghost. Come on, we, we speak it in the tongue. We like, where are them? Where, come on, my, 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 my revival people. Come on, where are you? Where are you? Do I have any left? Have I chased you all off? Okay. My tribe, I can talk to us. My tribe, my people. Okay. I, I is one. So I can talk to us. Here's the truth. Jesus connects answered prayer to knowing you're righteous. Period. Not in being righteous, in knowing you are righteous. Not in behavior, in a being. Could it be, charismatic revival people, all the stuff we've been waiting for God to do, he's been waiting for us to realize we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Could it be that our prayers are only as effective as they are because we only believe that we are as righteous as we believe we are? This is why, this is why, this is why I said the rhema provides confidence. How does Jesus as the branch provide for us? Sorry, as the vine provide for us as branches. Through his words, he cleanses us from our bad ideas about God. From his word, from his word, cleanses us bad ideas about God. From his words, he gives us confidence. Come on, he gives us confidence. Hey, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of my report card, not because of my behavior, not because of my duty. Apart from my works, his work is enough. We're not Mormons. We don't believe that that we got that Jesus does. You know, we do as much as we can, and Jesus will just kind of make it up on the top. That's that's not Mormonism in a nutshell. <laughs> Right? It's like your buddy, like you go out to eat and you're like, oh dude, I don't have enough. He's like, well, give me everything you have and then I'll put down the residue. That's not Jesus. He just covers the whole meal because you won't got any money anyways. You brought Monopoly money. <laughs> last one, last one. We'll go quick on this one. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Everybody, I want you to learn how to say it. Itole. Itole. Sounds like a dish at Olive Garden, right? Itole. Here's where this one gets confusing. There's no more word for word in the word. Right? If you read it, that, those are all the word, the word words. 
But now we get to get to this thing that's been, that I've been getting emails about. When are we going to get to the commandment part? I actually had one person, doesn't attend here, watches online, got really mad at me because you've been spending all this time telling me God loves him, blah, 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 blah. You haven't told him anything about how he commands us to do things. It's like, just wait a minute. Or six months. <laughs> Command is actually a word that means word because it literally means the instruction of God. So when, when Jesus uses commands here, he uses both command and commands, same, same root word. It literally means the instruction. Literally means the word, because here's where we get this. It, it's, it's calling back to Moses. Exodus 34, 28. So he was with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That literally means, that word commandments literally is the ten words. I don't know, I don't know, so, so, so here's, here's some help to some of y'all. Um, it took Moses 40 days to write ten words. I'm just trying to help out a junior higher struggling to get the words in the, in the homework, right? I think, I think the Holman Christian Standard, Pastor Doug's going to like this. It does it even better, right? He wrote the Ten Commandments, the words of the covenant. You're trying to get this into our head. The words of the covenant on the tablet. He's, it, this command is the words. Command is the words. Jesus calls us to specific things, purposeful actions designed for us to do as his representatives, as members of his family. These are the words to us, his commands to us. Yes, listen, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. C minus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. B plus. Does your report card matter? There you go. Okay. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Guess what? You're not God. So if you thought that's what I've been teaching this whole time, again, exits are clearly marked at the back. Okay, he still has all the responsibility, the right, and the authority to command us. So don't think by me explaining that it means words that I'm diminishing the fact that it is a command. I'm saying it's a spoken directive to us. He commands us to do things. As God, he commands us to do things. The essence of his command are tied to them being his word. Amen? And because of that, why I'm making a point about this, because... By them being tied to his word, they now possess the authority and the power that his word possesses. Meaning that by him commanding, we receive the capacity to do that which he has commanded us to do. See, if you don't get that the commands are words, you miss that part. And they just become a list of rules to do. But when you understand his command as his word, then you go back to Genesis 1 and you go, wait, he made everything by his what? So, 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 so he can speak a word into a formless void and out of it make all things. He can speak a word into my heart and despite how impossible it might seem to me for that thing to come about, it carries with it its own power source, come on somebody, to accomplish that which he speaks it to accomplish. So when he says, listen, when, when you know who he is, right, Logos, and you have received the rhema, the declaration of your righteousness, and he commands you to love as he loves, you don't go, I can't do that. It just happens. Yeah. 
Etole provides clearance or authority. It produces in us the ability to live as conduits of his divine nature. What is his divine nature? I'm so glad you asked. Let's land the plane here. I'm going to read this out of, out of the printed Bible. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, again, so we're talking to Christians. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to to fix our misidentification. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. All of this teaching that we've been harping on for months about knowing who God is, about knowing who we are, branch in the vine, cared for the vine dresser, destined to bear, we're talking about the fruit part right now, destined to bear, all of it has been driving to get us to this one simple revelation. You ready? Love each other. You go, what does that have to do with all this stuff? Love is God's nature flowing through God's people. You go, that, that, I, I, I want something more complicated. It is plenty complicated enough because we suck at it. Because all we've, all we've been allowed by religion to do is hear it as a commandment, not as a word. It's just another thing I'm, gonna, I'm just going to add it to the list of stuff I have to do. No, 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 no. He's, he's literally giving you a package. That's why I read First John. He's, he loves us. And this, this, is, this is why I use the word, right? This is why I use the word. Conduit. Stop thinking of your experience as the love of God as container and start thinking of him as conduit. You're not a bucket, you're a hose. Come on. You're not a bucket, you're a hose. You're not a lake, you're a river. Let's stand to our feet. In case you need it on one screen, here you go. Not going to read it for all the picture takers. Yes, I see you. I want. I want. I want to be super clear as we as we do this. I want to be super clear. This this call to love, this call to to to, or rather, this call to abide was leading us to this call to love one another. It's why, listen, it's why this whole summer we're doing specific things around this, we're, we're this summer fest thing. It's why we're doing, I know it sounds goofy, it's why we're doing a service out back. Because here's the problem. Religion has told us that what, what we do when these guys are up here and we're singing, that's, that's kingdom, that's, that's divine, that's, that's good, that's godly, that's awesome, that's meaningful. 
and, and you know, hopefully some of what I say is slightly less offensive than it needs to be, and is, that's good. If we're preaching, that's good. We're reading Bibles, good. Prayer, good. Uh, uh, hanging out with each other, well, that's just wasting time. How, how are you going to love, how are we going to love one another if we don't know one another? How, how listen, 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 beloved, I, I am team the gospel wins, Okay? But that doesn't mean that we don't have some rough days ahead of us. And if we don't learn how to love one another, let me say it this way. I used to tell my, I used to tell teenagers when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell teenagers, regardless of where you are in your life journey, because I pastored junior high through college age. I said, regardless of where you are in your life journey, it will never be easier for you to devote yourself wholly to Jesus than it is right now. Any, any adults want to admit that that's true, right? It was, it's easier when you're younger. Come on, it's easier when there's less stuff going on in your life. So regardless of where you are in that, so, so, so let me tell you this. It will never be easier for us to love one another than it is right now. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy right now. Come on, because everything, come on, the entire atmosphere of our world right now is, is baptizing us, saturating us in just not liking each other. Everybody has to have an opinion about everything. And if anyone disagrees with you on any of your opinions, they're the devil and Hitler and awful. If they voted for the wrong person, if they don't like the right colors that you like, if they don't think the same way you do. And what the gospel calls us to is a love for one another, not born out of my love, but born out of my capacity to be a conduit of his love. That's why I read us first, John. If we've been loved this much, what else can we do but love each other? Early church fathers tell us that the last sermon that John the Beloved ever preached, he's an old man to the point at which he has to be carried into the church on a bed. He's carried in by people, carried in by the elders of the church. They sit him in front of the church. Some estimates are that there are tens of thousands of people there to hear John speak. John lifts his voice, and this is what he says. Love one another. And then they carry him out. That's how important this message is. Let me say it this way. If, if our answered prayers are tied to our receiving the declaration of righteousness, the world knowing that Jesus is who he is is tied to us loving one another. Period. So I know a bunch of y'all, I'm not going to ask you to hoop anymore, but a bunch of y'all charismatics are waiting for a prophesied, you know, billion soul harvest. I'm here to tell you, it ain't happening until we start loving each other. Even if you voted for somebody that the person next to you doesn't like. This morning, I want to call each and every one of us to repentance and faith. For some, this is a call to repent and believe the gospel, to, 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 to admit and abandon all of the, the misidentification you have about God, whether it was taught or whether it was thought, all of it. Get rid of it, be done with it, be gone. Maybe this is the first time for you, repent and believe the gospel. Admit and abandon all that and believe, embrace and entrust Jesus as everything God has to say about himself, as the singular sufficient source for everything you need. Repent and believe. Bible says if you do that, you go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually in an instant. 
not because of your works, but because of his. For some of us, my call to repentance to believe is this. You gotta stop believing that you're anything other than the righteousness of God in Christ. Some of y'all were like throwing mental knives at me when I'm telling you the righteousness of God. You got Bible verses and report cards and people you wanna send me their videos of their teaching. I love you, don't bother. I've heard it all before. It's, it's just, I just lump it in with religion. Don't judge those people. You wanna get real about it, you can go back about 15 years and I'm probably teaching the same stuff. A pastor learned something? Why is it if I don't learn anything, I'm closed-minded? If I do learn something, I'm disqualified. Sorry, that was just free therapy for me. I know it wasn't fun to hear, but it, was, it felt good to say, even though it did feel fun to hear, okay? But I think for all of us, for all of us, come on, I'm raising my hand, for all of us, we gotta repent of our, of our, of our unwillingness, come on, to be conduits and not containers of his love. Maybe some of y'all are refused to be conduits because you've refused, you've, you have refused to even receive his love. You're so, you're so obsessed with your report card, you think you're, you've, you've disqualified yourself from his love. He's the only one that gets to determine whether you've disqualified yourself or not, and guess what? He says you didn't. Some of us are refused because you know that if you receive his love, you gotta give it to other people. Some of us wanna make excuses about being introverts. I am just as introverted as anybody in this room, trust me. I told my wife the other day, we were, just last night, we were walking through our neighborhood, she's saying hi to neighbors. I said, I wouldn't even know I had neighbors if I wasn't married to my wife. I would just think that God built houses around me so I didn't feel lonely. She's like, well, don't you wanna know your neighbors? I'm like, I know they're there. That's why Jesus gave us walls. Come on, that's, that's not right, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm confessing here. That's not right. That's not right. All of us, come on, all of us. This isn't a call for some of us to repent. All of us have stuff we gotta repent of in this room. All of us, all of us. And if you think you don't, that's what you get to repent of. So we're gonna respond. Celebration, contemplation, community. We're gonna celebrate, we're gonna celebrate, come on, our, our gratefulness that Jesus has done all of this. Come on, that he is our provider, amen? Through his word, he provides all that we need. We're going to contemplate. We're going to take some time to do some work this morning. Labor to rest. And I just, I want to, I want to just open this up. I don't do this very often. I just want to open this up. If you've got to, if you've got to change your posture to do that, please do. I know I just made you all stand up. If, if you've got to, if you've got to find a space in this room, if you've got to come forward, you've got to kneel at your chair, if you've got to do whatever you've got to do, whatever you need to do, Take your liberty. I'm not asking you to put on a show for anybody else around. Again, God hates your mask. He hates your performance. He hates your show. I'm not talking, but I'm just saying, come on, sometimes, am I the only one? Sometimes I gotta do something. I gotta change where I am. So we take that time to contemplate. Last, communion. We commune two ways around here. We commune one with another. If you've got something going on in your life, maybe you need to, maybe you need to do some confession and, and let somebody know of these areas that you're struggling in, these areas that you're going through, these areas you're repenting of, be it you're coming to faith, be it that you're admitting you're the righteousness, be it that you're admitting you just don't love people. We've got a, a team of people that would love to pray with you. They're over by the cross. They would love to stand with you and pray with you believe God with you. We believe we commune with one another in that way. It's a grace that God has given us. We also commune by taking part in 
the gift of communion. We take by a method known as antiquation, where we take a t- piece of bread, dip into the cup and partake, got gluten-free on the edges, open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. If you're not a Christian here, we love you. Don't even worry about it. You don't gotta come up and pretend like you're a Christian and take communion. You just hang out in your seat. Nobody cares enough about you to judge you. You're just not that important. My wife says that sounds mean. I mean it nice. It's probably why I don't get along with my neighbors. Um, respond. The other thing we get to do today is we get to celebrate the newness of life. Celebrate baptism. We've got some baptism we're going to do. I know we don't got a band up here, but you can hoop and holler still. Don't worry. So I'm going to pray. We're going to respond. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for your word that is your provision. Thank you that you supernaturally provide for us all that we have need of. Thank you that your word is true and it says that you have given us all that we have need of for life and godliness. We are lacking no good thing. You who did not spare your own son, but freely provided for us, you will give us, come on, all things. Thank you for that, Lord. But I pray you grant repentance and faith where it's needed tonight. Do a work, Lord. Do a work, Lord. Do a work. In Jesus' name. Church, let's respond to the Lord.